You are now tuned in to Queen Tone, a podcast where all women, especially black women, are invited to share their thoughts, opinions, and experiences with the world without being asked to check their tone. This is a safe space to tune in to hear two millennial women's take on social, political, comedic, and straight up what the fuck topics every other week where we bring it to you straight, no chaser. Because let's be real, it's usually never actually the tone that's too loud, but rather the truth. I'm Dana, a Detroit player paid for being a nerd with my tech savviness and product mindset, but known for my love of 90s R&B, comedic wit, and very on-brand Capricorn lifestyle. And I'm Nita, paid for being a bad bitch and improving people's lives, but also known for my ability to speak truth to power and dance to the beat of my own drum. Real Aquarius shit. And this is Queen Tone. Queen Tone. Queen Tone. Another Back week. for another week in this bitch. Another show. How's it going? I'm still alive. Have you watched, I don't want to spoil it for our listeners. Have you watched yesterday's episode of e- uh, Mayor of Easttown? Girl, it was so good. Okay, yeah, we'll have to, yes, we'll have to talk about it, it after the show. Yes, I watched it today too. It if y'all don't so watch good, it. Two episodes left. Yeah, if y'all don't watch it, it's on HBO, Mayor of Easttown, Easton, Easttown, whatever. Um, Easton. On HBO with. Yeah. What's her name from Titanic? Kate, Kate Winslet. Winslet. Yeah. You know, there's only a few white women that I truly fuck with. Yeah. And Kate Winslet is one of she's them. She's one of them. She's yeah. a great actress. She really is. And yeah. that Phyllis. She's playing uh, that. She's playing that wall. Yeah. Yeah. A middle, yeah. <laughs> middle of nowhere. It's drama. Small town drama. Um, it's messy. Last night's episode was so shocking. Good. Yes. I, I had to. I had to rewind. Yeah. I, I had to rewind. Um. On that but yeah it's a good show for sure. yes um, it was good what else is going on this week oh um the premiere of black girls run the world black girls run the oh, world run the world run the world Star. yeah i liked it did you watch it i liked it yeah yeah yes a black show that i can support without having to hate watch it unlike, unlike- <laughs> a black lady sketch Doc, I watched At some that. point, I feel like I'm gonna get a cease and desist letter in my because <laughs> I keep talking shit about motherfucking a black lady sketch show. But Run the World was actually very entertaining. Okay. It's a 30 minute comedy. Um, I was I'm kind of mad that it was so short, but I was like, I was like, you know what? This is enough. Like it yeah. was good enough. Yeah, I like it. Um, and I feel like it's not it's not going to be like the typical four girlfriends in the city. At least their setup is a little bit different because one is married. I th- I feel like she's getting a divorce. They kind of hinted at it in the preview. Um, Wait, none of them are married. What are you talking Brisha, about? Brisha Webb is married. The girl who's dancing. In the show? On- yeah. Oh, I don't remember. She's ta- being she was talking. One of them being engaged. The, yeah, there's one that's engaged. One that is single who just started the job. Another mm-hmm. one who was living in with her professor. Her. Right, boyfriend who got the daughter. Oh, and the other one is married. And the I other one is married. That completely. Yeah. It was it was that like I, one comment, and then they were like, "Oh, we always talk about you, something." But in the, in the preview, it talked about like her dealing with her rocky marriage. Oh, I unless I'm completely that, making but, it up, which I don't think. I no, am. you're probably right, but I completely missed. But it was a cute show. I will continue to watch it. Yeah. Um, I wasn't sure how I was gonna feel about it, but it was it was cute enough for me to come back for yeah. episode two. It got some eye candy in it. Um Mary yeah. being Mary Jane's ex-boyfriend. I don't know his name in real life. Oh um, yeah, that's where I knew him from. I was like, mm-hmm. he looks so familiar. Yeah, he always played like a nice ancient nigga. So I just like yeah. 
am anticipating him being on bullshit, but he cute yeah. though. So they showed a lot of butt. They showed a lot of her butt and his butt. They showed episode. dick the last thirty seconds. They did. I was uncomfortable. Yeah, I wasn't. But like balls and penis. Everywhere. It was there. Yeah, I was surprised. It was, it was, it was on stars. stars. Yeah, yeah, it's on stars. So you know they can do whatever they want on cable. Yeah, yeah. Did they do that in what Power um, I don't feel like they showed dick. They really were showing dick. Like, like you could have took an exam. Yeah. <laughs> and traced and named all the like parts. Yeah. Testicles. Yeah. <laughs> it was a diet. It was a fun diet. There's, there's a bit there. Yeah. Um, I love how they brought up Soldier Boy. I thought that was very <laughs> Mr. Tello, Mr. See, I actually laughed out loud at, at moments in the yeah, show. Yeah, me too. With Black Lady Special show, it's like inception laughing. Yeah. Like inside my mind, inside my mind, I'm like, huh. Yeah, it's like huh, huh. Um, <laughs> you like, know how people be having a meme yeah. like laughing my AO and it's just like you sitting there just Yeah. Like huh. Like fundamentally, you know, it's supposed to be funny, but it's not. Yeah, but you know. I still watch every episode. Um, what else? Ariana, random. Ariana Grande got married, and I just want to say that she has. Is this type. breaking news? Yes, this just came out today. For the small amount of time I was on Twitter today, because work was a shit show. Um, she got married in some secret ceremony, which is like good for her, great. Don't but if you miss. look at the pictures, I'm just gonna say she has a type, and it's very interesting. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Oh All yeah, shit. <laughs> I see. I see what you're saying. Oh shit! Um, wait, is Big Sean is not in her type though? Yeah, I would say Big Sean is like an outlier, but everybody else. Yeah. Um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave it there. Y'all Google for y'all. Yeah. Too. But happy yeah. for her. You know what I'm saying? Thank you, next. I guess there's no more next. That's right. It. Just thank you, Encore. Um, <laughs> what else happened? I locked my hair on Friday. Oh yes! Yeah. How was that experience? Tell the listeners. Um, it was cool. I I'm in my awkward phase right now, where <laughs> <laughs> and like I would I was watching every hairstyle has awkward. Yeah, phase. I was watching like a million different YouTube videos of like when I decided to get it locked and like how I would do it versus sister lock versus comb coral versus you can start with two strand twist. Um, mm-hmm. and it's all the talk of like embracing that awkward phase where they right now they're laid but like when they start kind of going which way or when you need to retwist because it don't look neat but it's not time for it to be a retwist and you just kind of like mm-hmm. gotta find the right hat or updo or whatever um so i'm like hey oh time is gonna fly by i think they look yeah. cute from what i can see on the camera because clearly i have not seen them in person yeah but we in a panorama i mean at least yeah if I anything in a panorama Everybody else might not think, my dog yeah. might not think that we in a panorama, but, you know, we still CDC panorama. So you good, you in the house. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, now I'm excited. And because my hair is longer, so I didn't have to do, like, a big chop to cut out perm. Um, and because my hair was locking by its damn self, like, I have, like, a, is there a 5C hairstyle uh, type? It's probably not, <laughs> but if it was, I would have You've it. got a really tight curl. Yeah. Um, so it shouldn't take as long to lock. At least I'm hoping, but I'm excited because I don't have to do anything else in my hair. My mom is like, ship me all your hair products now because I didn't convince my mom to go next. Oh. Um, so I don't have I'm to deal with it. all this, you know, hair products. And once I teach myself how to retwist it, then I won't need Take it. lots of pictures because you're going to, like a year from now, you're going to want to look back and be like, oh, you know, like yeah. see the growth. I see people do that all the time. I yeah. have a 
my friend Yolanda, who I talked about last week, who's a photographer, I think she recently made a post that says she had her lock anniversary. Her locks are beautiful. Like when mm-hmm. I think about somebody's locks, like, and they're like maybe, t- well, I don't want to say the wrong year, but I feel like it was like two to three years maybe yeah. or something like that. But anyway, her locks are beautiful. It's just like, yeah, yeah. you'll look back and be like, oh, I can't believe you. Know, I know that. I know that my date, yeah, some people count theirs. I have 70 um, because I didn't want them to be too big. My hair is still thick. Right now it doesn't look like it just because of how Mm -hmm. she pulled it to like curl it, but Mm -hmm. it'll be thick. So I'm excited. I'm excited for your lock journey. Thanks. Thanks. Um, Let's talk about the bullshit that happened this week. I feel like, I feel like queen shit and and, uh, tone check is going to be the same shit. Double whammy, twofer. (laughs) Double whammy. Um, so Dana and I started to talk about this before we started recording, but I'm like, no, let's save it for the show. So how many of y'all listen to the Joe Budden podcast? Raise your hand. Thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Nina's Dana, hand is raised. My hand is yeah. raised. I'm surprised Nina's is raised. Well, actually, I stopped listening to them about almost a year ago, maybe like a, f- a few months to a year, like six months to a year ago, I actually uh. stopped watching I forget what, because they were always on the teeter. I mean, they were always problematic. Let's start there. So yeah. I'm not, so there's nothing about what me and Dana are saying is that we condone or co-sign anything that has ever been said on the Joe Budden podcast, because it's a problematic podcast. I think I found it entertaining enough to listen to because I'm like, what these niggas got to say yeah. about this topic type yeah. of thing? Like, what is the average person, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The average person out there think about this topic and I know it's going to be different than what I think about the topic most times yeah um so I will listen to the podcast but I forget what happened oh I think it was around the time that Tahiri so maybe it wasn't a year well I had been off and on but I think Tahiri has said some accusation about Joe I mean she had already said stuff about Joe but Mm -hmm. I think recently she came out and said he hit me he did this he did that she from Love and Hip Hop yeah, they were both okay. on Love and Hip Hop together. I only know pieces of, I know he was on there. I listened to the podcast just to get their take on when hip hop albums came out and to like right. listen to right. shit. That they were really known yeah. for like their musical like reviews yeah. and, and sharing new music, which yeah. I really enjoyed. Um, but I had been listening to to the podcast since it was, we'll name this podcast later. Oh. Which was for, for people who know, that was like the early iteration. They had this girl, it was Rory joe and melissa or marissa melissa or marissa i forget they fired melissa about like maybe i don't even know 30 episodes in or some something some short number she wasn't there for a long time but they fired her i mean well joe fired her um and then they brought mall in yeah they had rotated a few female hosts and then ultimately ended up bringing mall in mm-hmm. um and they have been rocking they had like 300 something episodes but this week it was noted that they have disbanded the podcast and messy. <laughs> it's very very messy there's so many elements to this story but the crux of the story is that joe button would not show the accounting behind the show like how much rory and Ma were getting paid they were percentage mm-hmm. partners but joe was being kind of shady about like how much they, they should go on salary and- not yeah, answering any questions. Sounding, um, I might add, like a complete hypocrite because multiple times oh, on absolutely. that show, he was an advocate for um, having ownership and knowing, yeah. your, knowing your shit. And like, even when 
yeah. comments of you know how Diddy don't ever pay any or Puff Daddy, Diddy, whatever, don't ever pay nobody. Like always having comments on other artists yeah. about that. So for him to then act brand new when his people are like, yo, I just want to see, like, I know just want to see getting. it because they're percentage. So they need to know out of what percentage yeah. am I getting versus I think too, because even in their like response to everything that happened, they noted um, that they're not salary, so they don't work for him. Right, because they're percentage partners. Yeah. Even if it's one, I get one percent of the profit. I'm, I'm not your like I. Yeah, that's, I'm not that's your how employee. businesses. When you own a business, that's how it works. Like some people get fifty percent, some people get thirty percent, some people mm-hmm. get twenty percent. Like, but you're all owners, or like you may not own the same amount of equity, but you all have equity in the brands, right? Right. And I think <laughs> for Joe to what what really irritated me was that I mean, outside of Joe kind of being like a hypocrite. He was really talking on Rory and Ma crazy, yeah. like stuff that you would never say. To, like that's the thing with doing friend business with your friends. It it's always gonna get emotional. It's all you know. We all know this stuff, and you kind of have to tread lightly. But the way he was talking about Rory and Ma, and then firing Ma, uh, Rory, uh, kind of mid podcast or on not on air because it's not live. But I just found that to be it like was so trash. Wow, so trash. Yeah. Um. um so I, always, I to to your point, I always kind of knew like Joe Budden wasn't a shit, but I feel like then even with all of like his, um, didn't he beat one of his, the, There's the so al- many allegations. Yeah. yeah. He forced a, 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 not an abortion, sorry, not an abortion, but a miscarriage. Cause he yeah. sat on, I forget. What is her name? I forget. She's, Sin, a, she's like a well-known. No, it wasn't Sin. It was um, another woman who he had who he had been in a relationship with. I forget her name. I'm oh. sorry about that. But yeah, I forget her name. But she had accused him of forcing a miscarriage because they were fighting and he sat on stomach. And then so here he has said that he's beat me. He's punched me. He's done this. So there, mm-hmm. there was all sorts of things, problematicness in Joe's yeah. past that people look past because, I mean, he's a black man. And yeah. that man, yeah, black or Latinx woman, nobody cares. Right. Yeah. So he's gone away with a lot. But what I love, which is how we're getting into queen shit. So Joe Budden has his Joe Budden podcast network. One of the shows on that network is called The Thing Is. And it's hosted by Bridget Kelly, this girl named Mandy, and DJ Olivia Pope. Mm -hmm. Um, And today, so I didn't ever really, so I preface this, I never really listened to The Thing Is podcast, but I've listened to episodes. Like I watched it Mm -hmm. on YouTube because it's on the same YouTube channel. When they have guests on I watch yeah, it. It's an all female podcast. So yeah. I would listen to it watching, you know, cleaning up the house and stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, I wasn't watching every single episode, but all of a sudden Olivia Dope wasn't there anymore. So I was like, oh, this is weird. Like, you know, she just left and they didn't really mention why she left. And I didn't care. Like I was a casual listener, so I didn't mm-hmm. care enough to figure it out. But today it comes out that Joe Budden sexually harassed her on air, on on air and on camera during an episode of their podcast which led her to quit she had receipts she had time stamps she Mm -hmm. she had all her ducks in a row um and i'm really proud of her she seemed very like if you watch the video she seemed very nervous and like you know kind of shaking like you know like she wasn't sure if she wanted to share her story but um you know kudos to her because you know like i said there's been lots of accusations about joe button but i think um this like her coming out and saying Joe is a problematic leader 
yeah. this is what happened to me this is on camera and I, and it sucks that it has to be on camera it sucks that it has to be on audio for anybody to believe you but yeah. i'm glad that she was able to to speak her truth yeah because um, she wasn't so, yeah. she wasn't the um i'm glad that it'll get traction because you know are you familiar with scotty bean um personality yeah. so she mentioned <laughs> yep, it on state of, state of the culture, yep, uh, of the culture. podcast or show that joe yep. had that she left because i think she said something like she wasn't happy but it was clear of like harassment, yeah. the way that he talked to women, the way that he treated women, yeah. everything. Was Very disrespectful. Um, and it's, it's Very interesting, probably my, my sound bite of like the tone check aspect of this. Um, Cause I was even talking to my brother about it, of how baffled I was of like the Rory and Mal thing is what niggas mm-hmm. are like dropping Joe Budden off of not, the assault yeah. for women and i'm like that's just right of it's course. very that's why i say when it comes to black and brown women yeah. nobody gives a it's fuss. it's not surprising but it's like wow men are like i've been listening to him since pump it up came out and this right. is the shot okay, of the camel's back not right him but there's also tons of comments because i was like perusing the comments in his youtube video and mm-hmm. you know people defending him and saying but you know yeah whatever not my big bro so cheers to the women um who are now taking you know taking joe button down and you know i think we were talking about this i don't think we were talking about it on air we might have been on the phone but the reckoning that the film industry has has yeah. had the music industry has not yet had yeah and i just know it's way worse yeah i just have yeah. a, a oh, wait, gut did you feeling hear, we didn't talk about um did we talk about verses with escape and SWV? but now Nelly is in the loop oh. with um with Ti and Tiny's oh, little no so no I don't family affair recorded since uh, Mother's Day um but no I did not hear that Nelly had gotten tied up in that yeah he was God like forcing him. they were at a party this is all gossip allegedly. but yeah allegedly um Down to us. and a woman was forced to have sex with Nelly like at whatever what? function that. T.I. and Tiny oh, were with. Oh, no, that don't sit right on my soul. No. Yeah. See, I mean, that's, no. at the same thing of with um, T.I. and Tiny and why people are like, you're watching Versus with an alleged um, sex offender on yeah. stage. And I really enjoyed that Versus. I know, like, that's, I, Like, yeah. the music, that's my, that's my, you talk about auntie era, like, yeah. that is literally it for me. Yeah, and when they sang, when Coco sang uh, one of the verses from, was it Understanding? I think I for, Well, I Coco, think Coco didn't do Understanding. That's SW. Well, no, it's not her song, but they let they let her sing one of the verses. Oh, did they? Oh, yeah, I really nice. enjoyed that crossover. Like, yeah, they handed her the mic for a second, and she sang yeah. like the pre-chorus or something. I was like, I live. So I found out after the fact too, um, that the reason Coco, cause at first people were like, Oh, why she seemed like she got an attitude or she a little stank. Uh, is it because oh, her really? feet hurt? Um, like she didn't want to get up when they were trying to get closer to each other. Cause the stages oh, were so far okay. and she like yeah. made like a, a side eye or something when somebody had suggested like, Oh, Coco sing through or whatever, whatever. But it turns out that right before verses, she had walked out of her hotel room and had found someone shot. And she had like an anxiety attack right before the verses went on. She posted it on her Instagram about like, that's why I looked shaken up and was just like uncomfortable because I had just walked into someone Uh, in my hallway. Yeah. 
And she's like, I had a panic attack. And then like her son and a few other people in her camp that was around her, like helped her like, no, let's, if you can like get it together to do the show. And so she went out and did it. And so if you go back, you can tell like pre wardrobe change versus after she was like, Mm -hmm. what I thought at first was a, was a stank personality was like shock. Um, Wow, I I didn't get that. I, I was mostly listening to the audio in my car because I was oh, driving at oh, the time right, that yeah. it started. Yeah, um, me oh, yeah, and Tangie, we were yeah, me and Tangie <laughs> was texting back and forth during the actual show, and I'm like, "What's oh, wrong?" And it's like, I, either she don't like her outfit, or maybe her feet hurt because she took her shoes off. But she oh, um was traumatized, but like basically. Well, um, speaking of trauma, um, yeah. that was my inelegant segue. <laughs> I was like, whoa, that was that was a sharp fucking turn, but okay. It really was. <laughs> the listeners Speaking. are used to it by now. Yeah. Look, I'm trying to keep it going. <laughs> we got a doctor on the line. True. Okay, true, true, true. time is money. Um, yeah, so, you know, today's episode, we wanted to talk about, uh, in, in all seriousness, speaking of trauma, speaking of things, I mean, that is very traumatic. I can't imagine, mm-hmm. like, walking out my door and seeing that. Um, and, and then the having time to literally the panorama, yeah, and then having to perform <laughs> black women, right. it's just we you just got to keep going, right? So, we wanted to you know bring a mental health professional on the show because we know a lot of you, including ourselves, are, are constantly struggling, struggling with our with our mental health, um, and our mental wellness. And so, we wanted to bring our friend slash sore on the show her name is daniel busby dr busby is a licensed clinical psychologist in the state of michigan and in the state of texas where she currently resides dr busby is an assistant professor at baylor college of medicine and texas uh, children's hospital in houston texas in this role she primarily serves youth and families experiencing depressive symptoms suicide risk and symptoms related to trauma and grief She is passionate about decreasing barriers to mental health service use for underserved patient populations and is committed to continuing the bridge to gap, the bridge to gap between research and clinical practice. Additionally, Dr. Busby is co-founder and vice president of professional relations for Black Mental Wellness Corp, where she works with a team of change makers dedicated to mental health and wellness of the Black community. They have been featured in some notable publications and broadcasts, including People Magazine. She is also in Aries. Welcome to the Welcome. show. Welcome, Dr. Buzzy. Thank you for yeah, having me, so guys. Excited to have you. You've been on our guest list, uh, <laughs> I think, since the inception of the show. Yeah. Wow. I feel special. Yeah. I feel you special. very special. No, so happy um, to be here. Yeah. So, you know, Dana and I know you very personally, you know, before you were Dr. Busby, I think that's what makes me super special, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I remember when you were saying, I'm gonna be a doctor. And I'm like, yes, you are gonna be a doctor. Uh, and I always tell this story. So I have to tell it on this podcast. Slow motion. <laughs> Slow motion. So the Wait, first, what? So, so Danielle and I met when I was a freshman in college. And I lived in East Quad dormitory. And she he was the, were you the RA or was it called? No, I was, I was the minority peer advisor. Minority peer advisor. They don't have those no more. Um, no, diversity <laughs> peer educators now, you know, we oh, have to change the lingo. Okay. We're inclusive. You were all inclusive. Um, and I met her my freshman year. And I remember, you know, I was in the Delta at that time. Didn't even really know what Delta was. But I remember one night, it was the night of the step show that, again, I had no idea what was going on or <laughs> that there was going to be a step show. 
I just remember you and Octavia coming down the stairs and turning the corner in your jacket, and you're like these bomb ass Delta jackets. Were they? I think they were black and satin, or were they? Red. Oh, this is the show that was in East. It was Wild. red. It was for Founders yeah, maybe. Day. Yes, maybe. <laughs> and I just remember slow motion, like they turned the corner, and it was like, oh, and I was like, who is that? So extra. Like, who are like who are these? Like, I had already met Danielle once and thought she was bomb, but just knowing, like, there was a group oh. of other black women who were just on campus looking fabulous. I was like, what is a Delta? <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> I gotta make sure Tay listens to this. Like, yes. girl, you gotta hear the story. You yeah, gotta hear so the that, story. That was like my we introduction to being like, I need to know more about this Delta stuff. Like, what is going on? I need to be them. Right. I love. I'm it. trying to walk in slow motion too. Right. <laughs> Could I, be I feel like we all motion? have our slow motion soror, right? Like the person <laughs> right. that was like, yeah, like, I'm doing that. So fabulous. Yes. Right, and right. In, and to this day, it's slow motion with Danny because she was just bomb. <laughs> y'all heard y'all heard her bio, okay? Y'all heard it. Doctor Busby is out here doing oh, it for man. the folks. And I'm so grateful. Is, Thank you. No, and the thing is, like Danielle has been about it. Like she's been true to it. Like this isn't something yeah. new. Ever since I met her as a minority peer advisor when I was a freshman, like these are the topics and things she's always been very much dedicated to the betterment of the black community and that's why it's so fulfilling to see her in her journey like through through getting into going mind you she went straight from undergrad to her phd program let's start right. there not everybody can do that <laughs> not everybody can do that okay danny went straight from her undergrad program to her graduate school program and is killing it so i gave a little peek but could you tell the listeners like how you came how you became interested in mental health and mental wellness and like what led you to helping create the black mental wellness court yeah absolutely so one thank you for all those kind words like i'm so grateful because like everyone that i'm in conversation with or i'm meeting in these moments they haven't really been there from the beginning right like they don't know that this is something that i've been like talking about since forever Mm -hmm. so i just appreciate moments like this where we can come together and be like with your people that get it get it absolutely um as we like take on more contracts working with different stores that like are like oh look at that program name that looks familiar or, you know, things that really mm-hmm. replicate that. So thank yep. you for that. You deserve um, your flowers. <laughs> thank you. So appreciate it. But, you know, when I read that question, like what got me interested in mental health, I cannot just pinpoint one thing. I think it's so multifaceted for me. Um, I think one is just I've always been somebody that's been inquisitive. Like I've been I've always been a person that paid attention. Right. And unfortunately, I think I saw many examples of people dealing with things related to mental health and like. I saw some people cope with it in ways that gave them better outcomes. And I saw other people cope in ways that things didn't go so well. And I just didn't understand like why did those differences so clearly exist? Um, I think that coupled with, you know, a very close family member of mine who I love dearly, struggled with mental health related concerns throughout childhood into adulthood. And specifically we're talking about like depression, suicidal risk, as you know, you all read in my bio, that's something that I'm really passionate about. And I think that's because I just saw it up close. You know, like when you see the effects of something up close, you see the multiple ways in which they show up. Like you see the multiple things that make it hard for somebody to get help. You like, I don't know, it's like it puts a different drive in you to really want to help change the system. And I think as it relates to just like adolescence and like probably why I enjoy working with like 
resistant adolescents, like people that are like, why do I got to see you? I don't want to be here. Like, I appreciate that energy because I was that that kid. So I had a situation where I basically witnessed a violent event in my home where the police came and basically by the time they left, it was like we had to seek services as a family. And when we did that, um, one, I had never heard of this before. I'm like, we got to talk to people. Like, y'all know how it is, like, in the Black community, like, the stigma yeah. that exists around things going outside the house. And mm-hmm. it was just, like, a whole thing. And so just seeing people's reaction to that really gave me insight to just, like, oh, my people don't really bang with this, but why? Because I'm looking at how y'all are handling some things, and I'm confused. Um, but then just in that experience, one of my first providers, I didn't relate to him. He kind of came with a bunch of assumptions. And, like, I kind of, you know... I'm an Aries, as y'all heard. I was a little fiery mm-hmm. as a child. So I'm looking like, <laughs> I'm not talking to him. Um, yeah. So I was like that resistant kid. So I think those things in combination really have like led to why I'm so passionate about mental health. But um, speaking of Black mental wellness specifically, um, that just came out of a me, you know? Like it's been um, so many instances where, you know, I wish a family who identifies as Black or African-American could have came in sooner, right? Like mm-hmm. your prognosis would be better. Um, and so many times they're like, I don't see us show up until it's like dire. Like I had to come here, not like yeah. in a preventative effort type way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and then when I looked at the data and I see that there are clear disparities as it relates to service use, as it relates to like who's experienced which type of problems. Right. Like when we talk about trauma, like there's so many things that put the black community at higher risk for a range of these traumas. And we look at other numbers. Right. And so for us, it was just like, dang, we're tired of seeing this. We don't see enough resources that really speak to black people. How are black people going to really like tap in and use them? Right. I need some to make sense. And so um, Nicole K. Mack, Dr. Nicole K. Mack, she's our uh, president and CEO. She's kind of the person that brought us together. Uh, we we kind of came like, oh, this is just a good thing to do. Make resources, create an online community. And it just kind of snowballed from there where now we like have contracts with school districts and companies and corporations and law firms as it relates to wellness, particularly mm-hmm. to the Black community, but just broadly as well. So yeah. Sorry, that was a long answer. No, don't apologize. No, that's <laughs> and that's Ariana Grande dope. posted you too. You know, I feel like it's so funny because <laughs> I hear this from other people. Like, really? Oh, let me look. Like, you know, it just show up on lists now. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like one generation of people value us because Ariana Grande posted us. Like, oh, they for real. <laughs> but then in our science community, you know, if APA posts something or the American yeah. Association of Suicide, I mm-hmm. like that. Those are the real things. That's just yeah. funny. Cover to all see the, the difference. Like duality. <laughs> right. It's Cover all the bases. But we're, we're both, you know, we're both. Yeah. We're people and we're scientists. So absolutely. Yeah. No, I totally um, identify with your, like y- how you got into it because for me, like growing up with a mother with mental illness, and, I, and I've talked about this on the show, helped to shape, helped, helped to shape my philosophy on how the world should be. But, it, you know, like, and we always take that. So we either like we take that trauma that we had, right? And so I put mm-hmm. that into like, oh, I want to shape the built environment. So no other child has to do, you know, has to come under these circumstances. So it always manifests itself in, in different ways. But, you know, we all, but a lot of us have some of the same stories where it's like, mm-hmm. we saw people in our lives deal with like depression Mm -hmm. or schizophrenia but we didn't like for me I didn't know what that was until I got to college and I could start googling I'm like oh this is why my mother acts like this or this is why Mm -hmm. so-and-so treated us like this this is this is the generational trauma that my family has 
And I think you bringing that to the forefront takes it so that you don't have to wait until you're 20 years old to figure out, oh, this is <laughs> this is why my family operates the way it does, or this is why I, do- I wake up and feel sad. You mm-hmm. know, so I think it, yeah. it, it's really commendable that you've spent literally your entire life using <laughs> your experience. No, it's, it's mm-hmm. using mm-hmm. your experience to like build on that and make it easier for other folks. I just love that. Yeah. I and even it. now, now here's my slow motion story. Um, but even to the point of like not knowing what mental, or at least the title mental health, um, mental wellness was until meeting you was the program that you put on when you were a Delta. I was Iggy. They might think I'm crazy. Like that was the first program that actually going into that and like understanding, cause I have an aunt who um, is bipolar. So even having to see like how my family was interacting and like handling that and not fully understanding or knowing the words of like, why is her personality completely different depending on the day that I see her when like, this is my aunt, I see her every day, like what's going on. Um, But even that program was like, let me actually, if it wasn't Google, it was whatever, whatever, if it was still Google, but like, let me actually figure out what this is because this is something different that, I feel like mental health is one of those things where at least in my family or the people that I'm around as far as older generation, like I have more information than they do because, you know, in the black community is go to church or it's like, oh no, my nerves just bad or whatever sayings that we say to like throw, you know, throw over mental health or mental wellness or like, Mm -hmm. or even thinking going to therapy is like something traumatic happened to you as opposed to like, I just need to go to like help me maneuver life. Um, mm-hmm. is, is something too. Um, and depending on what that, I guess going into my question, how would you define, um, mental wellness and kind of what, is that an umbrella term or like to you, what is mental wellness? Okay. So I'm going to answer, but I just have to like comment on some things that I just think are powerful about you and Nina's story. It's just like, it's so much power in naming it. Like, mm-hmm. I think we really underestimate yeah. yep. what it yeah. is to name some stuff. So like, this isn't the part of doing yet. We're literally just identifying because a lot of us are walking around here in clouds. We've done a lot of things mm-hmm. to mask it, to escape it, to be busy ourselves with work or, you know what I mean, other things. And we can't name our situations, like naming stuff in, that's happened in your family, naming your current mood, your mm-hmm. current feelings. Like we've learned to let everything be super surface where it's just, oh, I'm mad. I'm irritated. You know, like it's mm-hmm. just like those basic yep. surface emotions. Yep. We oh. can't be like, dang, I'm disappointed. That kind of right. hurt my feelings. Yes. Like yes. that's where the that's where it really hurt. Yes. At, you know what I mean? So yes. I just I come in both of y'all for like I'm you know me I'm super hyped to hear that a program that we put together was like a snowball, which is what I wanted to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As we do this work and as we continue this conversation, it's just like we gotta talk about it because then it's normal. Like it's like yo, you too. Oh, tell me what worked for you because it don't always gotta be going to see a therapist, which mm-hmm. I think is of a, a, a good important step to take if that's where you're at or if you're just trying to like better yourself you don't have to always have a problem to go see somebody right like mm-hmm. i do an annual check for my physical health just to be like we good you know right. so it's like it's the same but you know I, I get that it's a slow motion thing but okay so that was my comments on that now um what is wellness to me you know for me wellness is about functioning like am i able to function well across areas that are important to me. So physically, like, am I moving my body? Am I eating good things? Like, am I am I going to all my doctor's appointment and I know that I'm good, right? Like mentally, like, am I at peace? Like, am I able to move within the world with some level of ease or, you know, it doesn't have to be like, you gotta be happy 24 seven, but like, I'm content. 
with my situation and what's going on. And I'm striving for different things and I have different goals related to family or related to my career or just like life in general, like whatever. So I think wellness is the combination of those things, like thinking about your physical health, your mental health, your spiritual health, your relationship health. Like, are those things going well for you? And are you, are you good with them? Like, would you be like, yeah, I'm proud of this. You know what I mean? So for me, that's the, that's how I define wellness. What would you say is the biggest, sorry, I said biggest, (laughs) say biggest, what would you say is the biggest misconception people have about mental wellness? Because like what you just described, you know, it's an abstract thing, right? Because we're just getting to a point and I feel like Generation Z is much better at this than millennials. The rest Mm -hmm. of us are trying to catch on, but like of naming it and being able to say, just as you described, I'm I'm a person who's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Oh, queen of I'm fine. Oh yeah. yeah. Super like I could be like it's rough, but I'll get through it five minutes ago. I'm fine. What do you need? You know, it's so like, you know, we all have different definitions of what we think mental wellness is. So what do you think the biggest misconception about what mental wellness is? Yeah, I think it's it's a it's a bunch of them. I'm gonna name two because <clears throat> I'm bad at picking one. I'm just bad at that in general. Um I think one is anything that says like a particular type of person only experiences Y or X, right? Like, so if I'm like, oh, black people don't, they don't die by suicide. It's like, that's actually false. Like if you look at the data, it's the second leading cause of death um, for adolescent. I mean, for third leading cause of death for adolescents, second leading cause of death, we're talking about children. Like, so like our little people are dying by suicide, right? That's a false um, fact, right? Or, that you know all that's not a thing for this group of people like therapy Mm -hmm. can work for everybody I think you want to be particular about what it is that you're working on so you can know what's important for you and a provider but like I think this idea that it's like for this subset of people I think also it's this idea that therapy is a for a privileged set of people right Mm -hmm. like we think only if you can even afford to think about your mental health like how privileged are you Mm. right but what we need to really realize is that mental and physical health works together right like so yeah if your physical health doing okay but your mental health bad your body gonna follow like it's a cycle we doing this so it's reasons why we see disparities and as it relates to death by x or you know what i mean when we look at the black community specifically and i think if we're more intentional about like dealing with both in the same ways at least partially in this like you know like we can make them match more i think we'll see better outcomes Yeah, no, that, that, that a lot, a lot of what you said, I think uh, our listeners will probably relate to or it it will resonate with them because yeah, it's like, I don't got money for that. I don't got time for that. And a lot of us, including myself, are in constant survival mode. Like the things I went through (laughs) is funny because the one time I had a stable therapist in my life was like the last year or so that I lived in Los Angeles. Love her, Glenna and Glenna Anderson. You know, she out of she out of um, where did she? She was a black woman. She was a sore, and I didn't even realize until like six months into our sessions that she was a sore. I'm sitting here talking about Delta. <laughs> she just was like <laughs> not. And then one day she says, "I'm like, oh, you're a sore." Anyway, Glenna Anderson, she's great. Uh, but I remember telling her a story, and I was probably telling it so matter of factly, and she started to like cry like or tear up and I was like oh my god and she was like do you realize how like much you've mm-hmm. been through and it it took that reaction from her like this clearly pro- very professional therapist and I'm sure that was not like like an emotion that she shared very often 
but it took her to tell me girl that's a lie yeah for me to be like oh I that's didn't even realize that that was mm-hmm. a lie right because I was I'm constantly in I have to survive I have to go to the next thing I can't dwell on the things that hurt my feelings or or the pain that has mm-hmm. been caused because we especially black women mm-hmm. always going 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 yeah or absolutely I, I think too, or the the flip side of that is or what I often do is, oh, well, there's somebody who's worse off than me. So whatever I'm going through is like, mm, negate girl, that because yes. at least, at least I got, at least I have a roof over my head or at least I have food on the table. So I can't, you know, what do I have to complain for? Why am I complaining? Like just suck it up and keep going. And oh, that, yeah. is, that is, I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you off, Dana, but it's so consistent with a study that we did specific to like really trying to understand barriers to care. And so when we looked at um, black college students, these were black college students who are at elevated risk for suicide. So in some way they indicated two risk factors that were specific to suicide and they were currently not receiving services. So you're at elevated risk, you're not seeking services and we want to know why. And what I, for the black college students specifically, perceived need, this limited idea of needing any type of treatment was the, the biggest reason they didn't seek treatment. Not logistics, not the time that your appointment, not the money, you know what I mean? Like none of those other things um, were as high as the perceived need. And I think that's common for black people in general. Like y'all just named it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's not as bad as X. That I mean, okay, yeah. if we talking about my arm is chopped off versus my, my hand is chopped off, like we probably both need to think about oh, yeah some treatment like yeah. it don't yeah. matter yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. right or so maybe it's not even that bad yeah. maybe maybe my hand just hurt like whatever like my point yeah. is it doesn't have to be the worst of the worst before we do anything about it mm-hmm. right like but that is how we think like it's not and, and there's mistrust there's like a bunch of reasons and i get it mm-hmm. so many reasons but i think as a culture like we've overcome a lot of things. So it's nothing that I'm doing 10 million things and burnt out and taking care of this and taking care of that and strong black woman cape to the max. Like, yeah, no, no big deal. Everybody Mm -hmm. does that. It's like, um, and it's still taxing (laughs) to everybody. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, to that point, um, a lot of people deal with trauma differently. Um, and many of us, as Nina said, are in survival mode and don't, um, label how we feel as depression. Um, what are some signs that you would say um, for our listeners to be able to identify when it is a good time for people to get help or even to start doing their research of like, do I need to get help or start thinking about that? Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, so I do work from like a very prevention model. So like, I am very intentional when I know stressful things are coming. And I mean, we couldn't, you know, predict this that we're in, right? But like mm-hmm. when I move, when I know I'm changing jobs, when I had a, a, a relationship in, like when big things happen, those are just my, my signs off rip. Like, oh, people say this is stressful. Even if I don't think I'm feeling mm-hmm. it right now, let me go do Damn. some things that's going to like ultra pad, you know, the fact that I'm doing a lot right now. Like whether yeah. I want to or not, these things require a lot of me. So I'm going to do more to like put more in the self-care bucket than typical because yeah. more big stuff is happening. So like, that's really important, right? <laughs> Me and Dana look at each other like, she's reading us to filth. Yeah. Meaning you are reading Dana and I to filth right oh, now. Yeah. Particularly because I feel like- I'm guilty. Both, we both have those personalities of like, nope, I can push through it. I'm, I'm good. Like, mm-hmm. um, But like at what cost yeah. though? 
Like, what are you giving up? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sleep. Um, and you're wor- I think a lot of times, like, oh, it's not that bad. It's like, but you're worthy of better. You're worthy of ease. You're worthy of flow. You're worthy mm-hmm. of like peace. Like everything don't need yeah. to be a crisis. Everything don't need to be, oh my God, it's an emergency. And like, I'm speaking to me too. So I think mm-hmm. another misconception, yeah. I know this is going backwards, is that like therapists don't need therapists. Like me and my therapists are cool. Especially as black women. Yeah. I love her. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I've, been, I've been asking my I therapist, mean, how are you doing today in the, in the midst of- And you know, she probably reshift to be like, but this is- about right 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 no but like that's another misconception as huge but like as it relates to things to look for right like functioning like I'm really big on am I doing like am I doing the things that I'm responsible for doing well right like am I moving my body am I am I exercising because we know that that's really important for our health generally like am I eating good foods that are giving me the energy I need or am I often feeling like I'm, I'm forgetting to eat. Oh, I used to be queen of that. I used to have to be like, put it in my schedule, munch. Danielle, you eat it right there. You know what I mean? Or like, I've been so busy. Like all of that, like that's not good for you. You're not supposed to be in constant rush mode. Like your body needs what it needs to, to perform. Then the next question I ask myself, like how are the people that are I'm around and are in my world? Like, how are we doing? Like, how are our relationships? Like, are we, am I more irritable? Am I like more attitudinal in my meeting? And like, you know, Nicole gotta be like, Danielle, what's going on? Like, I appreciate my friends that caught me out when you can kind of see your, your mood changing. Mm-hmm. Are you eating more or less? Are you having a really hard time, like, get getting going? Like, sometimes it feels like you're walking through mud. That's how some patients will describe it. Like, I'm moving, but it's really hard to move. Like, the things that used to take you, like, right now. not as much energy or time are taking all the energy and time. Like, are you, like, like you know, feeling really fatigued after a small task? Like, these are things that, like, oh, are you forgetting to do the things that make you feel good? Like, get your hair done, get your nails done, like, but, I mean, I know we're in a pandemic and everybody's state is different. I live in Houston, y'all, so we operate so a little different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little different here. However, Atlanta light. <laughs> my, my, my larger point is paying attention to those shifts. Like the things that you used to have fun doing, do they feel just like a drag or they're taking like the life out of you, right? So like when you catch on to these things, like name them. And, I, and just track your mood. Like I tell people all the time, like if you're not sure, just pay attention to your mood for a week. Pay attention to it night and day. How was the day? Da, 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 da. Are more days feeling like, ugh, I can barely move? Because it's normal for us to all have stress. It's normal for us to all deal with something, right? But like, how am I functioning? Am I able to still get it done? Or like I say, I say this in sessions, y'all. I be like, when you hold a brick for a minute, it feel different than when you hold a brick for an hour. Right. So like my Mm. arm and my muscle is going to fatigue at a certain Mm. point. Like I can't hold it no more. Or like when I'm trying to bring in all the groceries, because I like when I see I'm like, oh, I got it. Mm -hmm. And then I pick everything up and I'm good in that first moment. But now I don't went up a flight of stairs. I got to go down this long hallway. I'm tired. I don't want to carry these groceries no more. And they feel like they're way heavier than I just picked them up. So it's not just about what stressors are there. How long have you been holding them? How long have you been holding them by yourself? What's your support like? Like, who are your people, right? Like, yeah. it's okay. And then if you are more intentional about knowing, I'm not superwoman. I don't even want to be pretending to be superwoman. I need help. I've gotten so much further because I'm honest with me and I'm naming it like, oh, I'm tired. Mm-hmm. I can't do it all. Who else can I delegate to? What's not about to get done? Because it's 24 hours mm-hmm. in a day and I'm going mm-hmm. to sleep today. Because yeah. I used to try to give up sleep. And that's that's silly. That's yeah. my physical health. How am I going to move through the next day to do everything plus more? Like, no. We got to have some non-negotiables. Okay, sorry. Long answer. 
No, no that's, that's like <laughs> I just feel like you just dragged me. Right. I'm gonna do better, <laughs> Lord. I know I'm just um, at it. Huh, yep. <laughs> yep. I struggle too. Yep. We be, it's like it's sometimes we also feel like I think I think sometimes we feel like it's so many good things that be happening, right? So when it's good things, you feel like mm-hmm. I got to. I know that I've yeah. become like you'll see it at and so it's still like even in the good things you got to get selective about what's your calling like what's your purpose like what's the best use of your time what is really important to you because at the end of the day like everybody gonna always ask for something and it's only gonna get to be more I'm I'm like oh it never slows down that used to be the trick I tell myself oh I'm gonna cross off the to-do list the to-do list never goes away it never goes it's just something new ads and it's something real urgent and when you show yourself to be competent and good at something, right, like like helping people or, you know, eliminating challenges or, you know, being there to save the day, <laughs> which is like literally my entire existence is trying to do that for other people. People rely on that more and more and, and the boundaries get less and less. And then you feel overwhelmed, but just, but as you said, it's like, I talk myself out of it because I'm like, well, I'm blessed. I have a great job. Mm-hmm. I have an opportunity to help people. I, Both you know, and. people can find yeah. me. Right. Both mm-hmm. in. That yeah. is all true. And yeah. you should have a boundary mm-hmm. because it's yeah. healthy. Like, yeah. yep. People can find in you. They, that you good at your job. You killing it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And the other half that of that is. is what? Like, yeah. if you yeah. burn out, then what? What are the people right. gonna do? Because you don't got nothing to give. Yeah. When when I came to doing care stuff with my care caretaking stuff with my parents, I had to like really come to terms with that. Like, what happens to them if I'm no good? Like I have mm. a new responsibility in their life, right? Like I'm in charge of things yeah. now. Like I can't just be reckless. Cause this is not just I mean, I it's just me technically, because I'm like single with no kids, but like, you know, they they attach. If I'm right, yeah, I gotta make sure they're good. So right. when you kind of consider the bigger picture, it's like necessary. Yeah, no, it is very necessary. So, so for those of us in the audience that you just dragged to fill, and now we're <laughs> like, okay, we need help, and we appreciate Dr. Busby for bringing us to this moment. Like, what would you say? For people who are like, you know, at the beginning of their mental health journey and they're like, ah, oh, therapy seems too expensive, you know. And for some people, logistically, it may be at this mm-hmm. point, like, wh- what would you say is like a, a, a good step or a step in the right direction to like get them to that point of, of, of realizing their mental wellness? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I love that question. I'm gonna give like twofold answers. So if it's one section of like, I do really want to go to therapy, but I have all these things that are getting in the way, I'll answer mm-hmm. that. And then two, like, no, I'm not really banging with therapy yet. You all have to convince me. That's not really what I'm doing. What other strategies do you have? I'll kind of like to get that thing. So to answer the first question, I think I get it. Money is a real thing. Everybody don't take insurance for a bunch of different reasons. Insurance providers are very overwhelmed. It's a pandemic. It's hard to find providers. So I get that there are a lot of things getting in the way, but I think other places to consider that people don't always think is one, ask your provider, if even if they're private pay only, like do they have any sliding fee scale options? So like, do they have any option that, depending on whatever your income is or whatever you really could you know, actually afford, like are they willing to slide their scale for whatever reason and what limitations they may have because of that? Another thing I suggest is a lot of schools, so if you're at a university anywhere, a lot of schools that have doctoral programs in clinical psychology will use this sliding fee scale or see you for really low pay. You will have to see a 
a student who's in training, but they're supervised by a licensed clinical psychologist. And that's another opportunity to not have to pay as much. So I think sometimes those are like gyms out there that don't, that sometimes like students need hours, you know what I mean? So like Mm -hmm. there are providers Mm -hmm. available, but then you do have to be a little less picky about things that are really tough, like race or gender or a particular like expertise area, right? We kind of have to have some flexibility there, but I just wanted to put those out there. Um, Other strategies, right? Like, so sometimes you're just like, I'm not, like therapy might not even be it. Like I'm not always in therapy, right? Like I'm, you know, it's different times of life that sometimes it makes more sense than others, but I try to incorporate strategies into my world that help keep me grounded. So I have this journal, it's called a gratitude journal. And I mean, I got this at Target, y'all, but, and very pretty for the listeners it's, it's got flowers on it colors it gratitude on the front <laughs> and then when you open it it has this thing that says i'm grateful for it so i try to start my day by naming three things i'm grateful for so really yeah. like training your thoughts to be on the positive right so like yeah. sometimes naturally we have this very quick inclination to go through the worst thing that can happen all the bad stuff and that's fine i get it <laughs> however we have to give equal weight to the same things in the opposite direction because your brain is going to have practice and only thinking of the bad so then you're going to be anxious you're going your body's going to get more stress hormones like we need all of that so we need to have intentional practices that help us be more intentional about what are we grateful for and kind of what are the things that we're looking forward to it also has this really cute section where i like name my goals and make my schedule each day and then i like crossing off like things on my to-do list or whatever um also like having a time for some people will say mindfulness some people will say meditation it's really like 10 minutes of just like quiet time where you sit with your thoughts i do it at the top of my day as a way to like prepare myself for what's coming and to just kind of like pay attention to the noise i don't know if you guys mm-hmm. noticed that like when something is stressing me out for example it keeps coming up into like those default thoughts and they're like in my mm-hmm. brain right yep. so you can like catch you can catch those and you can do something with them right and so mm-hmm. whenever we're talking about like cbt which is cognitive behavioral therapy strategies we talk about cognitive strategies but then behavioral strategies so on the behavioral mm-hmm. side of things What are the things that you do that make you feel well? Like who are the friends you can call? Who are like, what are the activities that you can do? Maybe it's just taking a walk. Maybe it's, I like buy roses every time I go to the grocery store. Like I love seeing like flowers, for example, like being Mm -hmm. thoughtful about what are the behaviors you're going to do to be intentional, particularly Mm -hmm. if you're feeling down or if you're having a hard time and like connect with community. Like sometimes just having a conversation with a friend will totally shift your mood. And, but you have to, and sometimes you have to do it when you don't really feel like doing it, right? Like that's mm-hmm. the whole thing about what we call behavior activation. Like how can I plan mm-hmm. out the behaviors I need to do in order to kind of see the shift in the thinking and the mood that I'm looking for. So mm-hmm. yeah. I think those are some very basic strategies on blackwomenwellness.com. Sorry, brief plug. There's a bunch of resources particular to coping and wellness. Plug away. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll put it in the bio too for the episode. Awesome. There's a bunch of resources particular to coping and wellness, but I just kind of named a few that I'm seeing come up a lot, particularly during this time, because people's thoughts are really getting away from them, right? Like yeah. we're anxious about things. We've experienced a lot of loss. We have a lot of doubt about what's to come. We've actually had to do a much better job of accepting uncertainty right like we don't know we're just guessing and we're gonna go right like that's been really hard for people so I recognize that now is a very unique time in that way yeah that's great um even even to your even to your point of um if you don't know if you want to go into therapy I think for me before I started like consistently going to therapy I thought it was 
from what I would see in TV or in movies of like, oh, I'm gonna have to sit and talk about my feelings all day or for an hour. And I don't talk about my feelings at like, Ever. I'm, a, I'm a Capricorn, <laughs> Capricorn. Like it's not feelings. It's all about facts and whatever. But when I started going to a therapist and more so it wasn't, I mean, I still talk about my feelings. And even she tells me like, you keep saying, I think you need to start saying I feel, but like, it was more so problem solving of like, I have a problem and it's just someone helping me break down that problem. And me as an engineer, where all I do all day is problem solve. It's like, Oh, this is different. I'm not sitting around just talking about my feelings. You can kind of get it out of me, how you pose the questions. And I'm it's like, Oh shit, I'm already knee deep. But like, it's more so being able to solve a problem. Um, and for me, or like being able to analyze or even to the point of understanding my behaviors, it was, it was wrapped differently for me that helped like be able to break it down. And now I'm like, oh, I got to go. It's almost like strategy meetings. Sometimes I think of like my therapy sessions, like, oh, I have to go and present this so I can improve to be a better, you know, myself and help figure everything out. Um, my therapist is also a sore too. Um, but being able to like. Say something about Delta. Right. Um, Right. So then when I'm talking about all <laughs> oh, y'all, my line, no, I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, just having a different viewpoint of it is, has helped me and also changed the misconception of like, am I going to be sitting on this couch ask me ask how I feel first? Yeah. I think that's another misconception I thought about was just like what therapy is like. And I think the media has definitely helped shape that. Right. Like mm -hmm. people be mm -hmm. like, I mean, you meet people, they're like, oh, tell me all my problems or tell me all my thoughts. I'm like, mm -hmm. first, I'm not a psychic, right? Like, that's this weird thing that y'all <laughs> think I'm trying to do. Like, yeah. no. But then even still, it's just like, it's not someone trying to trick you. It's not someone trying to, like, get something out of you to mm -hmm. share or to make you cry. Like, it is a pro It is a partnership. And I tell people all the time, like, I come with a certain level of expertise, but you come with a certain level of expertise of you. Mm -hmm. You know you. I know stuff that the literature says works. I've seen work for other people. You know what I mean? Like, so mm -hmm. we're coming together. If we're not both ready to do that intersection, it's not going to work. And I think sometimes people are just like, fix me because the other models of our medical system kind of say like, give me this med, tell me this regimen. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, it's collaborative. Like we're yeah. doing this work. Mm -hmm. And sometimes yeah. I think people think it's not as hard. I'm like, yo, therapy is hard work. This is not for the week. <laughs> like oh, yeah. you yeah, have to work hard. through some stuff. <laughs> You yeah. are, you are like miles ahead of so many people. That's why I'm always so inspired by my patients, particularly because I work with kids. Like they be like killing it, even though they've been through so much, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think just the idea of what it looks like and what it means and you know, the TV always got us dating somebody or it turns into some love affair. It's like, no, yeah, <laughs> y'all are not helping. Yeah. Y'all are not helping. Those misconceptions are real. Um, and I also think, you know, when it comes to a lot of us, and I can speak for myself who have, who have uh, very prompt, like with my mother, me having a fear of ending up like my mother. Mm -hmm. And so even like I take anxiety medication, but when my therapist first suggested it to me, I was like, oh no, like, mm -hmm. no, never. I would never, this is too far. She gave me the prescription, you know, she and I just was like sat on the prescription for, for like a month, filled the prescription eventually because she kept asking me about it. <laughs> Let this prescription sit there for even, even more time. Cause I just was like, no, like this is, this is, this is, you know, I don't want to end up like my mom. And, and I think even working through that, right. Of just being like, I don't want to be that 
right, you have an example where you have an idea, like either based on the media, right, of crazy, mm-hmm. quote unquote, what crazy people look like. Mm-hmm. And you and you move through life trying to be the counter to that because it's like it's not that bad. But sometimes you just have to, you know, take a, a jump of faith. And I share that I'm on my anxiety medication purposefully to say to other people, like, it's okay. And I'm not perfect because sometimes I take it, sometimes I do, you know, it, it just depends, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But um, I think even sharing that with some of my closest friends, they were like, oh, I didn't even know that that's something that you're going through with or that, you know, that you needed that type of intervention. I'm like, yeah, like, and a lot of us do, and you should not mm-hmm. be ashamed of that. Absolutely. Um, I'm yeah. so proud of you. Because yeah. I already, already <laughs> imagined the whole journey, right? And like I yeah. tell people sometimes, and like I try to ask people up front, like something on this topic, like no medication. And I'm working with younger kids too. So they're like, oh, what's all the effects? And I hear them. Yeah. But my thing is just like, you got to look at functioning. Like how much is this getting in the way? Like how right. much is this stopping right. you from doing the things you need to do to be well, to be happy, yeah. to be right. living the life you want to live? And like, Sometimes you need help. Like we know that when we have a cold, like, and I'm, okay, we know the natural remedy for colds are what? Like everybody like drink fluids, get some some rest, like all these things, right? But if I'm congested and I need to sleep, because that's a natural remedy, right? And Mm -hmm. I can't go to sleep because I'm co-congested, so I can't breathe. I need to do something about it, right? And so it's not like one or the other. It's not like forever and always. It's just like, you got to try it out. You got to see but I get it. And I and I don't want people to tell me they're going to do something if they're not. That's why she kept asking me. Because if you're saying you're going to do mm, I know. it, mm-hmm. I'm just saying. <laughs> don't you press me a few times. Let's own it uh, if we die. It's cool. Right. We're going to come up with a new plan, though. No, I feel her. Yeah. No, yeah. but I'm proud of you for sharing that because I know that's not easy. And, like, it's a different thing when, like, oh, we can go to therapy. People like, oh, we ain't messing with the medication. Right. The families are very clear with me. For sure. And yeah. I used to be one of them. Like, I came in like, oh, I'm going to be a psychologist. I'm not prescribing all those meds. And. And mm-hmm. I laugh at myself because I'm like, mm-hmm. no, like <laughs> you got to see the spectrum. Like once you get more knowledge, yeah. you got a different understanding for sure. Yeah. Well, tell us where, tell our listeners where they can find you, where they can find the, the uh, mental wellness brands, all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So Black Mental Wellness, you can find us at www.blackmentalwellness.com. Um, we have a ton of free resources on our website related to a range of mental health topics. And they're all from a Black perspective, and we try to make them as relatable and in layman terms as possible. Um, and then also you can reach us if you ever need us to do any type of training or speaking engagement or any type of consultation related to the topics related to wellness overall. Um, and we do that in schools, corporations, firms, etc. And then you can find me personally at drdaniellebusby.com. Um, so I'm currently doing yes. private practice <laughs> out of the state of Michigan where I'll be doing telehealth only. I also do supervision services for students who are at a limited license phase and they're a mental health provider. And so I do that out of the state of Michigan and the state of Texas. Um, so if anybody has interest there, please feel free, reach out. Um, I'll just leave my email. Probably the best email for me would be drbusby at blackmentalwellness.com. You can reach me directly. Any questions related to our work or just resources you need. People hit me up all the time and say, hey, I'm struggling finding a provider, et cetera. Like our goal is to get as many people connected if they want to be connected as possible. So happy to be a resource for that as well. Yes. Each one, teach one. Danny been about it since day one. Okay. Right. Day one. I love (laughs) y'all. I knew you win. <laughs> right. I knew you did. 
I love it. Well, thank you, Dr. Busby. Uh, and I can't get over that. Dr. Busby. Thank you, right. Dr. Busby. Yes. It was meant to be. It's showing it showing it was. Us. Right. It really was. My uh, middle name's Renee, guys. Mine oh, yeah, too. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, people was like, oh, you just do. If you were here at, from Detroit, <laughs> your, your middle name probably Nicole or Renee. Whatever. Uh, they didn't watch you whatever. a hater. Whatever. She's a hater. It's whatever. okay. We, we love you anyway. <laughs> there was there was a trend, okay? It was a trend. You know, my mama might have been following some things. Okay. Right? You know. Anyway, whatever. Uh, we really appreciate you joining us today. I think that's the end of today's episode. We ho- really hope you enjoyed it. And we really hope that it inspires some of y'all who may, ha- may be struggling to know that you're not the only one. You're not. To go get help. You're not. Yeah. I don't regret jumping in a therapy at all. Yeah. And it took me to time to in get it. in to get into it. Um, but it's worth oh, it. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see y'all in two weeks. Maybe. Bye. This episode was produced by us and edited by Dana Cole. Our theme music is the track Same by Ricky Ells. Be sure to check it out on all streaming platforms. For questions, comments, feedback, or topic suggestions, hit us up at queentonepod at gmail.com. Be sure to also check us out and follow on Instagram and Twitter at queentonepod. Thanks for listening.